The question of what makes a good worship song can be a very personal matter. And now, that's not always the case. Throughout the sort of story of the church, throughout the centuries, certain hymns and songs have endured and come to almost be sort of timeless anthems for the church. You know, you could think of a few examples, of course, Amazing Grace or How Great Thou Art or Kumbaya or... (laughs) You know, name any other song that you might want to to think about. Um, But there are other times when it's a very personal thing. And uh, one person's special moment can be another person's time to shiftily look at the door to see if they can make a sharp exit. Uh, I tell you, I have to be honest with you, I was so tempted at this point to throw up a few YouTube videos of, uh, let's say, some uh, interesting worship moments that have been caught on video over the days, but I didn't because, you know, you really, you really genuinely don't want to mock or scoff when people are seeking to have a, a meaningful encounter with the living God. I mean, and, and also you have to be honest and say, within the Bible, there are some very, very strange things that God asked people to do as part of their devotion to him. So we really shouldn't be too quick to mock. So suffice to say this, uh, you can rest assured that I won't be asking anyone to take off their sock so they can be invited, nay, directed, to swing it above their head as they sing to this incredible disco pop rhythm, you spin me right round, Jesus, right round, like a record, Jesus, right round, round, round. Feel free to Google it later on. That actually happened. And it's like a seven-minute video, and they just sing this one song. So there you go. Um, I, I am, I'm 99% sure that I'll never ask you to do that. You can leave, you know, 1%. We, who knows? You, you should never say never, right? God, you know, who knows? But for now, you can leave your socks on. Um, but even in our sort of normal traditions in this church, we've all got songs where we maybe wrestle with a little part of it or, or raise an eyebrow at one aspect of one of the songs. Um, One song I've pondered a bit over the years is one that we've just sung, Uh, Brenton Brown's song, Amazing God. We can hear it growing louder. And um, just to share a couple of parts from that song, it says, you know, hopefully you know this because you've just been singing it, but we can hear it growing louder, songs from every nation rising to your throne. Interestingly, we sang another song. I don't know if you planned this, Mark, but uh, the Matt Marr song where it says, let my song join the one that never ends. Same sort of theme. There's this song that's going around the world and our song is joining in that to, 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 uh, as, it ri- as they rise to heaven. And then the middle eight of that song, Amazing God, says this, songs of praise surround us. Songs of praise surround us. Hear it growing louder we are growing louder. Now, I don't know what you make of that song, but over the years, I've sometimes found myself having a wee bit of an internal dialogue where I say, eh, we can hear it growing louder. And I sometimes I'm wrestling with the fact that actually, if I'm honest, no, I can't hear it growing louder. I can't hear very much at all. And maybe, for example, I've been leading the song and I've picked the wrong key <laughs> or I've picked perhaps 
more likely the wrong chords, and I'm strumming away enthusiastically, but there's that very real sense that I'm kind of not pulling everyone else along with me in this moment, and the only thing that is rising around me is the sense that it's time to change the song and move on to something a bit more familiar. There are these sorts of internal dialogues you can sometimes have when you're leading worship, and you're strumming away, and the only thing growing louder is the conversation between my spirit and the spirit as to um, maybe it's uh, time to change the song, or, or is it wise to repeat that middle eight one more time? Mark just had that little dialogue going through his, his heart right there as he was leading us in worship. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes it is right to repeat that middle eight another time, even if things aren't growing louder. Sometimes it's good to sing words that don't appear to be true, don't appear to be true, but that are true, or, and or, that are coming to be true. I'm not just talking about modern songs, just think of the following hymns. We do this all the time, by the way. It is well, it is well with my soul. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. That's always true. But this next bit, morning by morning, new mercies I see. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. How many times you walked into church, and that's been our first song, and there's a bazillion other things running through your mind, and you're singing the words, I stand amazed in the presence. We had such a precious time as elders on Thursday and with some beautiful times of worship. And one of our brothers was just with tears streaming down his cheeks, commenting on how he had missed just singing in that beautiful place of wonder and awe before the Lord Jesus Christ. We sometimes sing those words and it's good that we do. It may not be true. In that moment, we may not be standing there amazed in the presence, but it's good that we sing it because those words are coming true. They will one day be true. And somehow in the singing of those words, in a sort of prophetic sense, God by his spirit meets our spirit there and he can bring about that which is not yet the case, but is coming to be the case. Another song, King of Kings, Majesty, all within me falls at your throne. Your majesty, I can but bow. These are all words, and, and of course, many others we could think of that sometimes don't feel true to us, but in singing them, we are reminding ourselves of the perfect song of heaven. We are tuning in to the melody of the kingdom of God, and in that, God, in His grace and in His kindness, he, he can take our spirits and realign them to what is fundamental and to what is true and right. And that's why I love singing all those hymns that I just listed. And it's why I love singing lines like from another song, I will dance in the land of the living. I will shout and never stop singing, you are good. And your what is it? Faithful love endures forever. Thanks, Kathy. 
And I, I can sing that. I will dance. Because while I, in all my white boy awkwardness, might not be full on dancing right then in that moment, I know I could be dancing. I know I perhaps should be dancing. I know that one day I will be dancing in the goodness and in the wonder of my love and, and, and amazement at what Jesus has done for us all. And it's why... Though I've had internal dialogues about it, I do love that song, Amazing God. Songs of praise surround us. That's true, right? The heavens are telling the glory of God. If we stay silent, the rocks will cry out. The living creatures and the elders and the angels and the redeemed in heaven are singing a new song to God. Songs of praise surround us. Yes, songs of praise surround us. Our brothers and sisters around the world today are going to meet together in all sorts of different contexts, some of them meeting in homes fearful for their lives because they're not allowed to meet in other circumstances. You know what they're going to be doing? They're going to be singing songs of praise to God. Yes, songs of praise surround us. In that moment, we can look around the church and see our sisters and brothers, some of whom we know are going through the hardest of circumstances, and we can be surrounded by their song of praise, their abandonment before God in that moment. Hear it growing louder. Oh God, with your help, by the power of your Spirit, help drown out the noise of the world that surrounds me with all its affections, everything that would distract me from what you're calling me do. Make me more attuned to your grace. Make me more awestruck by the, the beauty of your splendor. We are growing louder as God moves among us, as he breaks through, as we look to our future with him. We are, we will, by God's help, grow louder in our praise, both literally I hope, <laughs> but also just in that sense of our conviction in the wonder of who God is. We're growing louder. This room was empty for an awful lot of Sunday mornings over the last year and a half. And even when we came back together for various weeks Sometimes the only songs that were rising among us were either the ones on the screen or the one voice of the person up there singing and significantly the songs that were rising from our hearts to God. And God can work in and through all of that. God can receive the glory that he is due in and through all of that. Of course he can and of course he did, I pray but how we should want to hear our songs rising louder and louder. Like I say, literally as God brings new strength, new life among us, but also as we have that sense of just joining in more and more with what God is doing among us through all that we do. That's what this series in Jeremiah has been about, about coming home, recognizing our status together as children in a foreign land, exiles coming home within the love of God and, and recognizing this unique moment that we are in as we come home to the rhythms of life as the family of God that, that God has ordained and, and put in place for us to, to follow. Life in exile is hard 
but we're coming home. These last couple of years have been very tough, but we're coming home. Jeremiah 33, verse 10. Thus says the Lord, in this place of which you say, it is a waste without man or beast. In the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate, without man or inhabitant or beast, there shall be heard again the voice of mirth. You could say joy or you could say laughter. And the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as at first, says the Lord. What's this chapter about? in our final chapter that we've been looking at in Jeremiah. Well, another devastating aspect of the barrenness of this season is that I have not been able to drop alliteration bombs on you in person week by week. So I'm getting a year and a half preacher idiosyncrasies out in the summary of this chapter because I have not three, not four, not five, but six Ps that this passage is all about. And do not worry, I'm not going to spend five minutes on every one. It's funny, you know, now, uh, now that I have a dog, I don't like peas. And I had peas on my plate the other day, and I'm able to give Luna the peas. So one of the questions I ask her a lot of days is, Luna, you want some peas? And I say it like that. The kids can hear me through in the other room. So I'm saying to you, Hillview Community Church, you want some peas? Well, you're getting some peas, whether you like them or not. Uh, Tim is going to flash up what this passage is all about. Power punishment, promises, prosperity, peace, and praise. God brings power, punishment, and promises, and ultimately, among God's people, this results in prosperity, peace, and praise. So first of all, power. This chapter begins and ends with a focus on the power of God. Look at verse 2. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. And then from verse 19 through to the end of the chapter, we have a, a similar rhetorical device that is used at the end of chapter 31, where God says, you know, to the degree that the natural rhythm of day and night can come to an end, that's the degree to which my covenant will break. That is to say, not at all. God is saying, my covenant promises are as strong as the reality that day is day and night is night. Dear friends, the hope of this chapter, the hope of our souls, as we think about this ongoing journey that we have, doesn't finish today, of coming home to God, is not rooted in the strength of our capacity or any good things that we have, but it is rooted in God's power. If you feel far off from him today, know that he is able to bring you home. If your song today is quieted because of the circumstances around about you, if you found it hard to wholeheartedly enter into that time of worship today, know this, he who made you, he who formed you, he who set this world in motion, day and night, he can bring forth that song again. Power. 
Secondly, punishment. Punishment, you could say judgment, but it doesn't start with P. We've, we've mentioned many times um, that Jeremiah is not an easy book. I know I was very upfront on week one. That I've chosen uh, five of the most encouraging and uplifting chapters of Jeremiah. The people of God were living under his just and right judgment because of their endless rejection of him and his beautiful, life-giving, love-sharing ways that he had put in place for the people of Israel to, to live with so that the people around about them would know what kind of God this was. They'd pushed God away and they'd ended up doing some of the most horrific things that we could think about. And we talked about some of those last week. It's the context of the whole book and we can read about it in verses four and five here in this chapter, how God says there in verse five, I have hidden my face from this city because of all of their evil. And you know what, as we come to think today about verses 10 and 11 and the return of this noise of joy and gladness, we need to recognize that it was actually God who silenced the city in the first place. Look at Jeremiah chapter 7, just one verse, verse 34. This is what God says, I will silence in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth. You could say joy, you could say laughter, and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and, bridegroom and the voice of the bride, for the land shall become a waste. You get the almost exact same words in chapter 16, verse 9, chapter 25, verse 10, the, the, the very similar words to what we read in verse 10 and 11 of chapter 33. God is saying, I am silencing any rejoicing, any celebration. In, in, in light of the, the devastating trampling of the ways and, and the, the plans and purposes that I've put in place. Friends, God rules and reigns over this universe, over this country, over this church, over our hearts. And this great king of ours, and this great kingdom of his goodness and his peace will not be endlessly trampled. And we need to understand that as we come home to him. We come home within the context of his holiness, his righteousness, what he's called us to. Power, punishment, promises. I mean, I hope you've been encouraged in these weeks in Jeremiah. Just relentless promises of blessing from God that we've been reading over these chapters. And in this chapter, it's no different. Look at verse six. Behold, God says, I will bring to the city health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel and rebuild them as they were at first. I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. Do you hear the relentless nature of, this is God promising this. I will, I will, I will. In fact, you know what? In this chapter, there are 11 I wills 
over the, the course of this chapter. I was tempted to, to read them one after the other just to get that sense of just the, the relentless wonder of God's promises in this chapter. But we've got, we've got enough to cope with in our time. And as well as 11 I wills, there are eight or nine times where God says, it shall be that, or it, or there shall be. For example, let's just look at one example in verse 9. It says, this city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and a glory before all the nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good that I do for them. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provide for it. God is just stepping in and speaking his peace and his blessing over his people. Now the question comes, how can this be? How can the third P be in light of the first two Ps? What of God's power? What of his judgment that the people deserved for all the awful ways that they'd been living? I mean, I mean just cast your eye over verse 8 there. How can this be? Do you ever ponder that? Are you ever amazed and, and left in wonder at this? I remember hearing a sermon where the pastor was asked, and the whole sermon was focused around, what's the biggest aspect of Christian faith and belief that you personally f struggle with the most? What do you struggle to accept within the whole schema of what the Bible teaches about what Christianity is. And his focus was not on creation or end times or evil or suffering or sexuality or any of those big questions that we rightly, I think, struggle with. But his response was, the thing that I find hardest to accept, the thing that I cannot get my head around apart from the grace of God is this, how on earth can God welcome me into his family? How can I be seen as acceptable before the judge of the universe? How does this work? How do verses 5 and verses 6 go together? Listen to it. Verse 5. I have hidden my face from this city because of all their evil. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. Well, it's because of who these promises are rooted in. From verse 14 to the end, we have one of the great sections of messianic prophecy in the Old Testament, a passage that points us forward to the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. Look at verse 14. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel, and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch. And I think all the translations capitalize that B for good reason. A righteous branch to spring up for David and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Some of you will remember this idea that Jesus is the branch that will come from the, the roots of the stump of Jesse, the father of 
King David. We often think about that in, as we read Isaiah 11 over the period of Advent that is coming. And the point here, friends, is that God's promises will be fulfilled. How? Through the rising up of this coming king who will, as it says in verse 15, execute justice and righteousness perfectly. Not like me and like us, messing up, rejecting God, living against God's ways as the people of Israel did and as we do. But this branch, this Messiah, this Savior will live perfectly in God's justice and goodness. He is our king, as we see in verse 17 and verse 21. He's the one who rules perfectly. He is our priest, as we see in verse 21. He's the the one that perfectly opens up the way for us to come home and live with God. He is our righteousness, and this is what defines our dwelling place. Look at verse 16. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Tzidkenu. I know some of you cherish those names of God. Jehovah Tzidkenu. The Lord is our righteousness. This is how the right punishment and the amazing promises of God come together in Jesus, who took on himself that punishment and in whom all the promises of God find their perfect fulfillment, their yes and amen. He is our righteousness. It's in him that we find our dwelling place. It's, it's him ultimately that we are coming home Two, he is the name of our dwelling place. The Lord is our righteousness. And it's him who brings about these last three things that we're just going to pull together as we close. Prosperity, peace, and praise. We've already read of these things again and again in our passages already. We're going to close by reading verses 10 and 11 in just a moment. But we've just heard, haven't we, of the incredible love and the goodness of God to a people far off, a people long way from home, a people conscious of their sin, struck by the mess of the world they live in. God calls us home to prosperity and peace and for us to bring our praise to him. Here's my question to you. Do you feel that? Do you long for that? Do you see it coming? It can be hard, right? We're a messed up bunch of people. I'm a messed up pastor and member of this church. And together we're just stumbling along, right? It can be hard for us to feel that. Church can get in the way. Life can get in the way. Weariness and struggle can get in the way. Our feelings and our moods can get in the way. The ways of this world can get in the way. But God's word comes to us, friends, just as it came to Jeremiah. Look at verse 1, by the way. 
the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the guard. He's in prison. Everything around about him is burning, devastation all around. Listen to God's heart for him and for his people, and I think for us. Verse 2, thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call to me, and I will answer you, and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I love it. What a God this is who reveals to us the hidden things if we just will call to him. God's word breaks through no matter what you're facing just now and reveals the great and the wondrous, mysterious things of God to people like us so we can come home to him. Songs of praise surround us. Songs of praise surround us. Hear it growing louder. We are growing louder. May it be the case among us, his people, as we come home today through the power and the work of Jesus Christ, the righteous branch, Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. As we continue in these days, over this coming season, in this next year just before us, until that day when we will come home once and for all. May we hear again the voice of laughter, the voice of gladness and joy in the blessing of God. And I close with this. Thus says the Lord, in this place of which you see, verse 10, it is a waste without man or beast, in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate, in the northeast of Scotland, in the Western world, in this universe that we live in, without man or inhabitant or beast, there shall be heard again the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good for his steadfast love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as at first, says the Lord. Thank you, God.